the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. thank you for your goodness we thank you for the good works you have begun thank you lord that you are bringing it to completion thank you lord that you are bringing it to perfection thank you for answers to prayer thank you for open doors thank you lord for progress thank you for acceleration thank you for favors thank you for miracle jobs we honor you lord tonight Thank you, Spirit of God, that I am helped to communicate your word with clarity, with simplicity, and yet with power. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, jam your hands together and please take your seat in God's presence. God richly bless you. Amen. Well, let's come to Titus. Titus, 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 Titus. What I intend to do is to walk you through a book that... It's very, very important in this season. Yeah. This Titus book is a very short book, but a very powerful book. Martin Luther said it's one of the short books with a very potent message. It speaks to almost every area of our lives. And talking about even the grace I wanted to discuss, if you look at it, it's amazing how many times grace is mentioned in this book. Titus 1.4. We are going to read the whole book today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we are going to read the whole book today. Okay, so one go to Titus, a true son in our common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Okay, so that's the first time grace appears. Go to Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. That's another grace. Titus 3.7. That having been justified by his grace, we should become as according to the hope of eternal life. And 3 verse 15. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Shout a better amen. amen. Alright, so. Our text for the year says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Somebody say it has appeared unto all men. Yeah, grace has appeared unto all men. When did grace appear unto all men? When Jesus appeared on the earth, grace came with him. Of his fullness have we received grace upon grace. The Bible said, The Lord came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. When Jesus appeared, he came with grace. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is a person. 
and that person is none other but Christ Jesus himself. Okay, so that's what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us. So he tells you, number one, grace brings something. Somebody say grace brings something. Say grace brings something. Yeah, when grace comes into your life, it gives you an advantage in life. Grace brings you something that you could never end. What grace brings us is something we can never, 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 never end. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Grace brings and then grace teaches. So he says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching us. Somebody say teaching us. Okay, so teaching us that which what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. I see you live godly. Amen. I see you live soberly. Amen. I see you live righteously. Amen. As grace is teaching you, you are living righteously. Alright, verse 13. He said, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself, look at that, who gave himself what? For us. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Somebody say, I'm special to God. Say, I'm special to God. I matter to God. I am valuable to God. Yeah, that is who you are. He redeemed you at a price. The Bible said, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God and your body, in your spirit and in your body, which are God's says, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's start from Titus chapter 1 verse 1. And let's start reading. <laughs> Titus chapter 1 verse 1. <laughs> New King James. One go. Paul, a born servant of God and of a According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. Take note of the word godliness. We, where we read earlier, he mentioned godliness. Here he's mentioning godliness. In hope of what? Which God, which cannot lie, promised before time began. When did uh, eternal life, when was eternal life promised unto you? Time began. Before time began. And he says that one of the things that makes your eternal life certain is because God cannot lie. Somebody say, God cannot lie. <laughs> God cannot lie. Verse 3, let's go. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So hold on. So we see within this short few verses, we see we are told about the author. Somebody say the author. The author. It's coming very clear. He said, Paul, born servant of Christ and apostle. So there is an author on one side and then there is a recipient on one side. Two, Titus. Okay, can you see that? The letter is written and addressed to Titus. And he describes Titus in a very interesting way. He said, a true son in the faith. Praise the Lord. We would find out who is a true son or daughter in the faith. 
How does a true son in the faith looks like? How does a true daughter in the faith looks like? So he says, a true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, let's go. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint in every city as I commanded you. Okay, so he says that he's given us a reason why he's writing the letter. And as we go through this book, you will see the more reason why you need to study scripture. I was telling mommy about two weeks, I think a week ago or so, that there's a lot of noise about false prophets. But false prophets are not as dangerous as false teachers. False teachers are more dangerous than false prophets. And scripture has more to say about false teachers than false prophets. Because God understands that when a person is taught wrongly, if they tell you one plus one is ten, you are due for life. And if that becomes a part of your DNA, your mentality, you are due for life. There's a lot of noise about false prophets and all of that. But false teachers, <laughs> you, as you go through, you see it. You will see the need why you need to know the word of God for yourself. Because if you don't know the word, you can easily be deceived. There are some people, they are slick talkers. They talk fine. The addiction is fine. They will speak with a lot of passion and charisma. You will almost fall for what they are saying as if it's truth. And they are lying to you. They are lying to you. He said, I, I left you in Crete that you should set in order. He's telling us the reason why. He left him in Crete. So Paul is writing to a man whom he has left in Crete. And he's telling him that I have business for you to do here. The reason why you are in Crete is not to sleep. You are in Crete to set in order. Set in order. This book has a lot to say about order. Somebody say order. 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 The need for order. Order in your life. Order in the church. Order in the family. Order everywhere. It's a very, very short book, but the message, I tell you, is very, very powerful. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Okay? So we have seen Paul. We have seen Titus. We are hearing of Crete, okay? Uh -huh. So all of those things are things you need to, when you are reading a book, you want to know who wrote the book. Apart from knowing who wrote the book, you want to know to whom was the book written. This is not even a book, it's a letter. So you want to know who received the letter. What was the main subject of the letter, okay? Uh -huh. Then you are able to see what you can apply. What is meant for doctrine, what is meant for practice. Because most of Paul's letters come in that form, okay? All right, so... Let's continue. Verse 6. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-will, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, Self-control, holding fast. Uh-huh. 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 Hold on there. Did you see what he's saying there? He says that you should be able to hold fast the faithful word. As you have been taught. Faith, hold on to the word which you have been taught. That you may be able to, by sound doctrine, to both exhort and convict those who contradict. Because there will be those who will contradict. 
So you have to know it. So he starts by saying that I left you to set in order the things that I wanted, appoint elders. Before you appoint the elders, let me give you a criteria you are going to use. So he begins to outline the criteria. He says, if you are going to appoint anybody to become a leader or an elder, make sure that these things are present. And he began listing them. So he says, among all of the things, verse 10, he says, after all of those other things he's talked about, he should be able to hold on to the faithful word, which he cannot, for there are many, somebody say many, they are what? Many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. <laughs> Somebody say of the circumcision. Yeah. When we talk about the circumcision group, you will come to know them. Paul was speaking in Philippians. He said, we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. So there is a circumcision of the heart, which is of the spirit, and there is a circumcision of the flesh, which has to do with the law. Those who are stickless to the law, they came very strong in this church and they sought to destroy the church. So Paul said, you need to be very, very firm. A lot of people are going to come with a lot of legalism, all kinds of things. Make sure that you address them squarely. Then he says, this is why they are doing it. Whose mouths must be what? Whose mouths must be what? Uh -huh. You must silence them. Silence them. Who subvert whole households? Somebody say whole households. Teaching what? I want you to follow this very closely. Teaching what? Things they ought not to for the sake of this honest gain. For the sake. <laughs> Praise the Lord. For the sake. For the sake. <laughs> One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, no, therefore, clap for them. Shout for them. Do what? Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. <laughs> Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Verse 15. To the pure, all things are, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, but even their mind and conscience. Verse 16. They profess to know God, but in works, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Now, in this book, you will see a number of times as we go through, as we are reading, take note of some of those things. You see good work, you see works. Good works, works. When you see them, take note of them. All right. So here you see that they profess to know God, but in works, they do what? They deny him. Abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Now, let's move on to chapter 2. But speak the things which are proper for sound, okay? That the older man, uh -huh, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not giving too much wine, teachers of, uh -huh, if you have been taking small, small wine. <laughs> That they admonish what? To love their and to love their okay. To be chaste. Homemakers. Wait, wait, wait. If there is a lady by you, ask you, are you a homemaker? 
Do you know how to make a home? <laughs> now listen, he's talking about sound doctrine. Alright? And in sound doctrine, one of the things he's talking about when it comes to young women, he says, young women, it is sound doctrine for you to be a homemaker. Homemaker. To look all gorgeous and have your room and your house in a mess is not sound doctrine. Are you here with me? He says, be obedient to their own. Fight with their own. Be their own. Argue with their own. Be obedient to their own. Everybody gets in jail. This book, everybody. There's nobody. No, he started. He started from a particular place. He started with leaders. Then he came to older men. Let's go back. Let's see it. You see that everybody's name is being mentioned. Yeah, because the church ensures the kind of generation. Take me to verse 1, please. As for you, speak these things. Which are for proper sound doctrine. The things you are supposed to speak that will be consistent with sound doctrine is that 1, verse 2. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. So older men, Edatoto, <laughs> that's how they are supposed to be. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Older men, there's a certain way older people, older men are supposed to behave. And Paul said, address that matter. Now go to verse 3. That the older women do what? Likewise, they should be reverent in behavior. Not slanderous. Teachers of good things. Yabu Didi. No. No, no, no. Am I communicating here? No, 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 no. Me, I don't drink. I just use something later for appetite. No. No. No, you don't need any that, anything like that for appetite. <laughs> Teachers of what? Good things. Verse 4. That they admonish. Wait, do you see how, what he's saying there? He says that the best people to teach young women how to live with their husbands and love their children are older women. Praise the Lord. Older women. Older women. Now go to verse 5. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers. Obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. You see that? Okay, now let's go to verse 6. Likewise, what? Young men to be sober. The young men should be sober. Yeah, and it's was sheer basano. Be sober. I'm not communicating here. Be sober minded. Cool head. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will get to share. <laughs> now look at uh, <laughs> verse 7. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity. In reverence. Uh-huh. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That the one who is an opponent may be ashamed. Having nothing evil to say of you. Amazing. Wait, now he's coming to our workplaces. He has addressed our homes. He has addressed our... Listen, now he's coming to our workplaces. He said, Exhort bond servants to be what? Obedient to their own masters. To be well-pleasing in all things. Not answering back. Yeah. Verse 10. You know what preference is? Small, small stealing. 
you are going home. Then you pick the pen of your boss. Then you carry it home. Paul said that thing should stop. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it stop. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what? But showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of a savior. Everything he's saying, he's linking it to the word of God. I don't know whether you are seeing that. Everything, 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 everything. Because what we do largely will influence what people think about the God we believe in and the word we believe in. Are you here with me? Yeah, that's what the book is about. The book, if you want to summarize it into two things, you can just say it's about belief and behavior. Somebody say belief and behavior. Uh-huh. There are those who feel that no matter what you believe, once your behavior is okay, you are fine. They are wrong. Amen? Yeah, no matter what you believe, once your behavior is fine, you are okay. It is wrong. You remember a man called Cornelius? You remember Cornelius? Who was Cornelius? He was a man who was praying every time. He was doing generous works. But he was not saved. Do you know that? Yeah, because his believing was wrong. He was not saved. That is how you see somebody who is full of good works. They say, ah, when they die without believing the things they need to believe, their destination is hell. So our behavior, as great as it is, it doesn't save anybody. And in this book, he tells us, as we go, I think chapter 3 or so, we'll come to see that our salvation is not based on what we do. But our salvation influences what we do. One of the things I like about this book is the fact that it affirms the doctrine of salvation strongly by faith. Strongly. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10 it says, for by grace you have saved through faith and done of yourselves. It's a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. Then he goes to verse 10. He said, for we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus created unto good works. So he tells you that you are saved without works but he also tells you that you are saved unto good works. Now, that's what this book is also telling us. He tells us that we are not saved by our works. And we are very soon going to see that. Please take me back to 10. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to teaching us that worthy last which righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Have you seen another good work there? Okay, now let's go to verse 15. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. You remember that in First Timothy you were talking about let no man despise thy youth. Uh-huh, so... First Timothy and this book, actually, they share quite a lot in common. In fact, some commentators actually believe that they were written the same day because of the similarities in the books. Uh-huh. That First Timothy came, Titus came, and then Second Timothy was the last book which he wrote and they're on his way to execution. Go to chapter 3. Now, let's go. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey 
Have you seen good work again? Uh -huh. To obey and to be ready for every good work. Remind them to be. That's talking about civil authorities there. Verse 2. To speak. To be peaceable. Gentle. Can't you see that this is a tough one? Look at this. No, take me back. <laughs> he said, to speak evil of no one. Is that how you live? Speak evil of no one. And the man is challenging us, eh? Speak evil of no one. He said, to be peaceable. Ask your neighbor, are you peaceable? Do you even know what it means to be peaceable? <laughs> to be peaceable. Gentle. Gentle. Then he said, showing humility to... Showing humility to... Showing humility to pastor. Showing humility to the elderly. Showing humility to all men. Verse 3. For we ourselves... No, 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 no. This, it gets too good here. Here, he's telling you that... <laughs> The reason why he's gone all that blah, 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 and saying all of those things now, and he's giving you many instructions and all of those things that he wants you to appreciate the fact that some time ago, your destination was not like that. For he's a law. So he says, for we ourselves were also once, so he's, he's saying that now you are not foolish, but you used to be foolish. It's interesting, most of the letters, usually they will remind us of who we used to be. And those statements are not just written there for nothing. They are to remind you constantly to be compassionate and be moved with compassion and love to those who are erring. You see somebody fornicating, rather than being judgmental, understand that you too you used to be. Praise the Lord. Yeah. The Me Too movement, no, this is the proper one. <laughs> this is where you used to be. All of us. You will never become an excellent Christian to the degree that you too, this one will not be true. No matter where you go. That's why Paul, when he was about to die, he said, I, who was a blasphemer, he used to talk about things like that, injurious, a persecutor, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He was constantly reminding himself of that. You see, there's a certain mindset when you have about God and about scripture and about yourself. It naturally keeps you humble. Most people who easily become proud when they get into certain positions become so because they seem to forget where they used to be before. When you become a boss and you don't know how to talk to subordinates and all your subordinates are having problems with you, it's because you've forgotten that you too, at some point in your life, you are a subordinate. Am I communicating here? There are things you don't forget things you don't forget. So, in the, in the pieces, they will tell you that Peter was saying, as long as I remain in the flesh, I will keep you reminded of these things. There are things we need to constantly be reminded. And as we are reminded, we are shaped for the better. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, for we ourselves were foolish, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in what? Read with me. Living in what? Miles and envy. Hateful and hating one another. Yay. But, somebody say but. Ooh, but, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. When did it appear? This saved, if the whole thing, this is another place you can insert grace and you are perfectly okay. When the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. You can you just take it. When the grace of God, 
yes, appeared because the kindness and the love of God together is a manifestation. When God extends his love and his kindness towards you, you are graced. He said, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appear, look at verse 5, not by works, follow it, not by what? Works of righteousness, which we have. Have you seen works again? Okay, so there are some works he's talking about. He says they are good works. There are works he's talking about. He says works of righteousness. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to what? How were you saved? By your works? How were you saved by your... Were you saved by your works? Talk to me. Were you saved by your works? So how do you lose your salvation? By your works? Talk back to me. See, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some people don't have a difficulty accepting the fact that they are safe. They were not saved by their works. But they have a difficulty accepting the fact that they can lose their salvation by their works. Hmm. <laughs> the same way you got saved. That's the same way you remain saved. Are you here with me? The same way. The same way you got saved. That's the same way. That's the same way. That's the same way. That's the same way. In this book where he talks a lot about works... He is very, very clear to let you know that you are not saved by your works and you can't lose your salvation by your works. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the... Verse 6, let's go. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7. That having been justified by his grace, we should be as according to the hope of eternal life. Verse 8. This is... Uh-huh. Good. Those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Take note. Do you see the benefit of good works? He didn't say they are profitable for your salvation. They are profitable to men. And the men includes you. Good works affect you. Good works affect others. But good works doesn't affect your salvation. Are you here with me? He said, he said, these things I want you to affirm constantly. I want you to remind people constantly. Because one of the areas Satan uses to beat down people's faith is their works. When it comes to the area of works, Satan uses to beat people down all the time. His name is the accuser of the brethren. And you cannot be accused until you do wrong. Are you here with me? The moment you do wrong, and that's why when you do wrong and you feel guilty and condemned, you should immediately know that there is an enemy that is at work. It cannot be the Holy Spirit that is doing that. Am I communicating here? The Holy Spirit that does not come on you with condemnation. No, 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 no. For there is now therefore no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. He brings conviction, not condemnation. Am I communicating here? Understand that very, very well. Those who have believed in God must be careful to maintain good works. In other words, those who have believed in God must behave appropriately. They must behave in sync with their belief. Then he said, these things are good and profitable to men. When you read this book, it looks like it's more of works than even of grace. But both are working. Now look at this. But avoid what? Foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. 
for they are unprofitable and useless. Which day must we worship? Saturday or Sunday? Useless. <laughs> now, look at this. Reject what? A divisive what do you do with a divisive man? Re do what? Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. And that is also very important. You don't just throw people off. Give them the opportunity. First and second admonition. Why? Because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere is established. You see, sometimes when you come to church and certain actions are being taken, when you are not schooled in the scriptures, you will not understand. Hey, this pastor is very hard. Though. It's because the pastoral job is a hard job. And as I begin to go with you through this letter, you will appreciate the context. In fact, <laughs> it's interesting that in Paul's letters, most of them, almost all his letters, with the exception of this one, and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, the greeting usually begins with grace and peace to you. But when it came to First Timothy and, and Titus, he says, grace and mercy and peace to you. And I'll explain why. <laughs> because pastors need a lot of mercy. And that is the thing they get it in the least. Praise the Lord. Go to verse 11. Let's look at it. Knowing that such a person is what? Warped and sinning. Good. For I have decided to spend a winter there. Okay. Send Zenas, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with his. Okay. 14. Let our people. Fruitful. Do you, do you say that? So good works, 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 good works. Okay. Now, all who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. He wrote most of them. A greater percentage of them was written by him. A few of them are in contention. Some scholars believe that he is the one who wrote uh, Hebrews. Others say he did not. But by and large, they believe that most of the letters that begin with his name are letters that he wrote by himself. Praise the Lord. Some of the letters he actually dictated. I mean, most of them, it's on record that he dictated them. But there are those that are general letters, which he wrote specifically to churches, and there are letters he wrote to individuals. Okay? Now, for those he wrote to churches, you will see them begin like this. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. The church in Rome. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. He says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel. Now, when you go to, I think, verse 3 or 4, he talks about to all those who are in Rome. So he introduces himself, and then he tells you he's the one writing. You come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, yes. Let's go. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and sustains our brother. Okay. To the church. To what? To what? Okay. Let's do Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. To the church. So that is a, a letter to the church. Galatians. 
Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse 2. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of... Okay. Ephesus is the same thing. Philippi is the same thing. Colossae is the same thing. But when it comes to Timothy, he writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. That is a letter he wrote. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Verse 2. To, to a true son in the... Uh, I told you that Titus and Timothy have a lot of things in common. And the words, endearing words, Paul uses to describe those two guys and a few other people that he didn't use for many people. He says, Timothy is a true son in the faith and Titus is a true son in the faith. Paul wrote to Titus, Paul wrote to Timothy, and Paul wrote personally to Philemon. Those are personalities. Philemon, Philemon, and then Titus and 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy are personalities. All right? That is, they were addressed to specific individuals. It doesn't mean that everything in it had to do with them, but it was addressed to specific individuals. Now, Titus and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we call them pastoral letters. Somebody say pastoral letters. Say pastoral letters. They are called pastoral letters because they have full of instructions on how a pastor ought to do his work. Okay? So, when it comes to Timothy, Timothy was a man that Paul left. He left Titus in Crete, but he also left Timothy in Ephesus. And they were to manage the affairs of the churches in this place. And he wrote to them to show them how to get the work of the church done. Praise the Lord. So, those are the two main letters. And those letters, collectively, we refer to them as pastoral letters. Amen. If you read, and I will encourage you to read. The reason why I read with you is because I want to encourage you to read the Bible. Amen? Yeah, yeah you have to read it. It's interesting when you understand the Bible and you learn how to read it. It's just a beautiful thing. Okay? When you read First Timothy and you read Titus, you will see that First Timothy looks like an expanded version of Titus. Titus is a more condensed version. Within three chapters, he has compressed a lot of things. And share them there. When you read First Timothy, you see him expatiating on a number of these things. Now, the letter was believed to have been written around between AD 60 and 66. That's where the letter was believed to have been written. And it was written. Paul, if you look at Titus, Titus is mentioned in a few places in the scriptures. But if you look at the kind of person he was to Paul, you would have thought that his name would be littered everywhere. In fact, when you even come to the book of Acts, there is no place in the book of Acts where Titus is specifically mentioned. It's just that an incident happened and it's believed that he was present when that incident happened, when they had a debate about the decision that eventually came to Galatians chapter 2. Let's read that. You'll appreciate that. Galatians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with so he took Titus and brought him to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the headquarters of the church at this time. And all the big guys, the big shots, were there. So he brought him there. Why did he bring him? We'll soon see. I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel, which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation. Lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Verse 3, let's go. Yet 
not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So you see that we are dealing with a man who is of Greek origin. Titus was a Gentile. And he's talking about circumcision here. He was not circumcised. He didn't need to circumcise himself in order to be saved. So Paul just carried Titus and brought him to the council meeting and said, here, you guys have been preaching the gospel of grace and you people think that I am in error. This is a trophy of grace. This is Titus. He didn't need to do any of that. And he's truly saved. He's sanctified and his spirit filled. Now let's go to verse number four. And this occurred because of the brethren. Because false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by steel, to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us back into bondage. Galatians is a book of liberty. For whom we did not yield submission for even an hour. <laughs> Paul was <wild. laughs> That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Verse 6. But from those who seem to be somewhat, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be somewhat added nothing to me. Verse 7. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter. <laughs> Verse 8. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked what the man is simply saying is that when it comes to the mandate to take the gospel to the Gentiles, I have it. When it comes to taking the gospel to the Jews, it is given to Peter. Uh -huh. So when you go to the Jews, do what the Jews do. But don't come and impose the law on Gentiles who have been accepted into the kingdom by faith. Alright. Now let's go on to verse number 9. When James Cephas and John, who seem to be what? May you be a pillar in the house of God. May you be a pillar in the house of God. You know what a pillar is? Pillar is always there. Pillar is what? This pillar has never missed church. That's when we say you are a pillar, that's what it means. Pillar is always there. This pillar, the day this pillar moves, there will be confusion here. He said, they seem to be pillars. They were pillars. May you be a pillar. <laughs> he said, when they perceived that, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas. Oh, read. They gave me, in the, me and Barnabas what? The right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the. Uh -huh. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What's the meaning of Titus? Titus means honorable. Somebody say honorable. honorable. Yeah. Honorable. And if you look at his life, as maybe next week, when we begin to explore the true son in the faith, why Paul called him the true son in the faith, you see that after he got born again, he lived a life that was honorable. Honorable to his father, Paul, and honorable to God who redeemed and saved him. He lived a very honorable life. Titus was a very dependable guy. Somebody say dependable guy. So, so, so dependable. In fact, Paul used to send him to hot places. Where there were crises, he was the man to send. Because you could trust him to do it. He had similar traits like Timothy. Timothy was young. He called he was young. But Timothy was timid. 
But this guy was not timid. You can't send a timid person to Crete and say set in order. No. He was a very tough guy. And that was him. Honorable, humble, but very tough inside. Praise the Lord. And he was a source of great encouragement. And I pray that as we go through this series, you'll become a source of great encouragement. May you become a source of great encouragement. Titus was a real blessing. Real blessing. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 12 and 13. Furthermore, when I came to where? Troas. To preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by... By... And look at this. A door is opened to him by the Lord. And look at this. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. Can you imagine that? A door is open. A door is open. He was such a valuable person. And it's not a human door. It's a divine door that has opened. But without Titus, he couldn't enter. Valuable. When he says, my true son in the faith, that was a man. Titus was a real man. Titus and Timothy were uncommon people. And those are the two main guys in the scriptures. Paul really was a father to the church. He said, I've, I've begotten you in the gospel. He told the Corinthian churches. You have many instructors, yet you don't have many fathers. But in Christ, he said, I've begotten you in the gospel. So the whole Corinth, they were his sons and daughters, but he never called them true sons uh, of the faith. There is something that qualifies a man to come into that fold. And I pray that by the time we are through, you would be one of such people. Amen. Somebody shout a believing amen. amen. But taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 2 to 7. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in my house to die together and to live together. Wow. Verse 4. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Why? For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no... Our bodies had no... Our bodies had no... But we were troubled on, troubled on, outside where, inside where, have you been afraid before? This is Paul talking. Have you been in conflict situation before? This is Paul talking. Now look at verse 6. Nevertheless, God who comforted the downcast comforted us by the coming of who? Yeah, by the coming of Titus. I pray that we'll have more Titus in this place. I pray that you'll be a Titus. In this church, may you be a Titus. And may you also be a Titus to someone. All of us can be Titus to people. We ought to be Titus in church and we ought to be Titus to other people. He said, when he came, comfort filled my heart. Titus was a source of comfort. There are people where you do ministry with is exciting. Yeah. And we'll be looking at some of them. Source of comfort. They give you great relief. This is Paul. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he, he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. Let me read 13 to 16. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort, and we have rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus. Because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. 14. For in anything, if I boasted about you, I'm not ashamed. But as we spoke 
all things to you in truth. Even so, our boasting to Titus was found true. 15. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Now, I don't know what you've heard tonight, but I pray that in this series, God will speak to your heart. In this series, you rise up to fulfill your ministry. In this series, you rise up to follow what God has called you to. In the name of our Lord Jesus, lift up your hands and begin to speak to God. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.